Hello, I'm Suzanne. And I'm Peter. And you are listening to Sex Advice for Seniors. And we are here today talking about erotica with, of course, the queen of erotica, because there is nobody on this planet, as far as we know anyway, there may be somebody in another galaxy somewhere who has edited (laughs) as many anthologies, erotic anthologies as Rachel Kramer Bustle, but I don't think so. So welcome, Rachel. How many have you done, Rachel? Thank you. I've done over 70. So a lot. And I, I would love to get to 100 someday, but we'll see. Yeah, well, you're young still. <laughs> I've worked with I've worked with over 700 authors, close to 800, and that wow. I'm very proud of authors from around the world. Um, and I'm always looking for more authors, which we can talk about. Well, that's, uh, yeah. that's 700 authors too many in my book. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of work. Well, I'm not going to lie; it's it's a lot to keep track of. Anyway. But it is fun, and I think it's. I think it's good for me as an editor because each project's different. It's not the same authors over and over, but I also think it's good for readers. They get to read maybe some authors they've read before, new authors. Yeah. I always save room in my books for authors I've never worked with before because right. I think that's that's kind of my way of giving back to the, the genre because someone you know welcomes me into the genre when I had no experience with it way back in 1999. So I wanted do that for other people too Mm. there's hope for you yet peter yeah well i've sent uh i've sent rachel my my short story my flash fiction i haven't read uh, it yet so i i I deliberately i didn't want to like come on and be giving you specific feedback on the air but i do consider every story everyone sends me and sometimes i go back to authors and say you know i like 85% of this, but there's 15%. Could you add this or take this away or tweak this? Yeah, sure. So I do. I expect that. It's my first, uh, (laughs) my first attempt. So, so there we go. So be gentle, be gentle. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) anyway, going back to the beginning, let's go back to the beginning. Um, You've actually, we'll start, we'll start where you are now, which is you've, you've finally written the definitive book about how to write an erotic memoir. But I'm curious to know, how did you get started? Well, I got started, I was in law school, and that was not really working out the way I had thought it would. I was very gung-ho. I wanted to be a lawyer. I started law school at age 20. And at the same time, separately, I had been reading erotica for a few years, short story anthologies. And I came That's okay. I came across... a call for submissions for a book called Starfucker, which was a book of celebrity sex erotica. And I thought, okay, why why not pitch my idea? So my idea was a story about Monica Lewinsky called Monica and Me. And I mailed that story in and it got accepted. And that was so thrilling. Like my first erotic story, my first fiction story, because prior to that I'd written nonfiction and it was going to be in a book. And then it got accepted to another book, Best Lesbian Erotica 2001. And that was just so thrilling to have success at that and to put what was really a fantasy that I had about a celebrity onto paper. The story is very thinly veiled. The character is basically me. Uh, I you know I, I pretty much Monica and me was kind of literal in the sense of the character wears the clothes I wear and, you know, dresses like I do, dresses and acts and talks. And anyway, 
and and I did research into her life. Like I referenced the actual lipstick color she wore in her Barbara Walters interview. I, I didn't just, you know, make it up just out of my own mind. But anyway, that story got accepted. And because of that acceptance, I was inspired to keep writing more stories. So the first few years of writing erotica, I was writing either about things that had happened to me, sometimes loosely disguised, sometimes pretty much the way it happened, and then some fantasies of mine. And then after a few years, I got asked to co-edit an anthology that someone else was doing and then edit my own. And then I also decided, okay, not only am I kind of bored of my own stories because, Mm. you know, as much as they're my stories, I ran out of exciting things I had done. And also I just wanted to branch out. So, you know, I started writing from male perspectives, from transgender perspectives, from just characters who were different from me. You know, I'm, I lived in New York city at the time. I would try to write about characters who didn't live in a major city or who had different personalities than me. And after several years, I decided, okay, I want to help other authors do the same thing. I started teaching erotic writing classes because I think for a lot of people, they want to write erotica or think they do, but there's a stumbling block. And a lot of that I think is cultural. You know, there's a lot of shame and nervousness and what is everyone going to think? Those things hold people back more than I would say the craft of writing. Like before they've even written a word, they're kind of second guessing what the potential ramifications could be. And that that impedes you as an author when you're trying to be creative around sex, especially because I think it, it will come across in your writing if you're holding back. Like if your fantasy is something, you know, let's say your fantasy is about having an orgy with 50 people, but then you wind up writing about a threesome, which is not to say you can't write a good story about a threesome, but if you're only writing that because you think it's safer than the orgy story, that's okay to write a threesome story. But if you really want to write the orgy story, write the orgy story. Yeah. I mean, there's so much judgment, I think also around this area, just a friend of mine is doing some writing in a, using a female character and it's of a sexual nature, but as a, as a, as a, as a film and read it out to a class of women who immediately came down on him saying, Oh, is there just going to be lots of sex in this then? And Oh, you, you're going to have to give us some trigger warnings if if there's going to be some sex. And, he felt all of a sudden this sense of shame about the writing that he'd never thought about before. Yeah, I and think that happens a lot. That, but isn't that the case with um, with all with everything to do with sex? Yes. Really, yes. I mean, a lot of sex. A lot of people don't discuss mm-hmm. any aspect of sex because of the sense yeah, of shame. I, I, of, I think it's com- it's combined, and then even though it's fiction. Uh, that really doesn't matter to a lot. A lo- people do judge you. And I think yeah. you have to be prepared yeah. for that. Most people I work with use a pseudonym because of these kinds of issues. And it doesn't matter that it's fiction. And I used to run a reading series of erotica in New York City. I had a Facebook page for it and other social media. And people would be afraid to like the page or to interact with it because their family member might say, oh, you're going to this erotic reading series like does that mean you're going to a sex party I mean literally people would tell me oh I want to you know share your information with my friends but I can't because my family might judge me and this is mind you not writing not performing at it just you know liking the page just Just sharing the information and then compound that if you're you know if you have kids or you have a job that 
you know, yeah, yeah. you can't let anyone know you write erotica and you have to have two social media identities. There's a lot of judgment still out there, even in 2023. And it's a valid concern. But I think that in the creative process, you have to find a way, even if it's to password protect your computer and only work on it when no one else is around to safeguard your own creativity so you can go there. I have a problem in that I dictate everything because my my fingers don't work very well. So I have to make sure that nobody can hear me either. I, so uh, that, you know, but but it's extraordinary, isn't it? That in this, you know, in 2023, as you say, that we can't discuss or be involved in discussions about sex at all. I mean, it's it's but, it just seems so... Victorian. But on the other hand, and I'm sure you've both experienced this with the podcast and your other work around sexuality, there's so much interest in sex because it's yeah. taboo, especially people will talk to you about it anywhere and everywhere. If you share that you write erotica or you do a podcast. Yeah, so I think those are, those are paired. I mean, I think those are linked. The fact that it's so mm. taboo, but then everyone wants to talk about it in secret, in private. Yeah, yeah, yeah completely. Yeah. And I think, you know, the thing about erotica is it's important in so many different ways, it's important for as women for us to be able to express our fantasies and our sexuality and the things that we think about in ways that are, that we can liberate our minds, even if we don't want to go to those places in real life. There is an element of liberation just about being able to put them down on paper and just being able to express them that as women, sometimes we do feel that sense of shame about having these feelings about things that may seem inappropriate or which we were brought up to believe are wrong or shouldn't be mm. discussed or just frankly disgusting to some people. Yeah. Right? And, and I think that's actually mm. universal. I mean, I think women, especially mm. because there's still so much slut shaming and judgment, mm. but I also think other men and other genders too have that same thing. And I think it, you brought up a really important point that just because you write about something doesn't mean you want to do it in real life. It might, but it doesn't necessarily mean that. Yeah, well, I think that's um, I think that's true. Um, but I think for uh, an interesting question for me is um, is why so many erotic writers are are women and not men, and that you know uh, I've said it before, but it's because I think women do fantasize, whereas men are kind of rehearsing for what what they want to do. Um, and so, you know, there's there's a link there for men that that, that maybe isn't quite as pronounced for, for women. Uh, women can maybe fantasize about these things and leave them as fantasies. Men are kind of preparing for this actually <laughs> happening. Oh, my God, this might But I think in day. either so, case, you can still write good erotica about it. I mean, I, in some ways, yeah, it yeah. doesn't matter what your motivation is. I think you can still write a good erotic novel or story based on those impulses, whatever the impulses are. I, 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 think really it's, I think it's about fleshing out your characters and making them seem realistic, even in an unrealistic world. Like even if it's aliens or something that physically could not happen in real life, mm -hmm. you still want mm -hmm. the reader to feel like they know your character and they're siding with them and they're right there with them in that fantasy or in that sex um, act or whatever's happening. And I think mm. also that goes 
to the point that erotica is not just about this physical act. It's not just about this part goes into this part. And, and then there's a lot of moving back and <laughs> mm-hmm. forth that goes on and then everything feels great. And, and of course, everybody simultaneously orgasms because of course they have to, don't they? You know, yeah. the, you should write, the, you should write that story <laughs> in the fantasy world <laughs> in which we live. But, but more to the fact that, you know, for me, good erotica is about creating the atmosphere creating the ambiance, creating the scenario where I Mm -hmm. sense, you know, I can taste the taste. I can smell the smell. I can, I can feel that I'm in that room that as it's been described and the act itself is more about the tension that's being created through this scenario going on than specifically about the physical act, which it, let's face it is, is pretty there is only so many ways that you can have in you know heterosexual intercourse you can go through the or or go down on a woman or go down on a man or whatever but i mean i i agree and especially for my job as an editor you know i i tell authors try to think of it from my perspective if i have to pick 20 or in the case of the flash fiction 69 stories i don't want readers to be bored and feel like oh i already read that version of the story five times, I want them to feel like each one is a little bit different or a lot different. And sometimes that's not about the physical, or it's about the physical, but also with the mental and the emotional. And you could think about it like people talking dirty to each other. One person's dirty talk could totally offend another person, but that same phrase or sentences could be like, oh, someone's practically on the edge of orgasm just from those words alone, whether they're whispered in your ear or it's a text message or some other means. And so I think the good erotica writer is going to take us into why that is those words or whatever's happening is turning that character on in that moment. Yeah. Do you think that um, there is I mean, to to come to our subject area, which is sex advice for seniors, do you think there is any difference in erotica for older people? Or do you get submissions from older people who are interested in maybe some of the fantasies they've had for many decades even? I do sometimes. I don't get as many as I would like. Uh, I think often when I read about characters who are, you know, older you know seniors I think a lot of it is about comparing to to some degree not saying one is better or worse but sort of reflecting on what sex was like when they were younger versus now and I think you you don't have to pretend it's exactly the same um if it's you know if it's different physically if it's different emotionally I mean you've you've lived longer so you've been through more things and I think that's rich territory Mm -hmm. to explore whether you're writing about someone who's been in a relationship for 20 or 30 or 40 years, or whether you're writing about someone who's single or some combination of those. And I think it's totally okay to include real life, uh, you know, issues, whether those are medical issues or, or just um, things that are a little bit, maybe less, quote unquote, perfect. I don't think anyone's life or sex life is perfect. But you know what I'm saying? I, I, I think you can incorporate those and then talk about how your character's deal with those and also you know i don't think we should assume that people are having you know used to have better sex or more exciting or wild sex and now that's over like maybe your characters are having the best sex of their life at 50 60 70 80 like i want to hear about that too and so sometimes i've and i've published some of these stories set in nursing homes 
uh, there was a story, and I'm sorry that I can't remember the name of it, but it was about uh, a woman who is in a, like a nursing home type setting, and another woman who lives there introduces her to porn, and it's her first time watching porn, and it, it unlocks a whole world. And going back to your point, Suzanne, about fantasies, before she even does anything with anyone else, she's exploring in her mind and her body what her physical reaction is to watching this porn that she had always thought was dirty or not for her. And all of a sudden she's mm. realizing, you know what, this might not be made for me. It's not targeted to me, but I'm turned on by it. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think as well, one of the challenges that, you know, many people that we know and, you know, myself included have faced is that sometimes in long-term relationships, especially if you've never broached the conversation of sex with your partner, or you've reached that impasse in your relationship where you feel that things just aren't moving on and developing in a way that you might like, or you start having sexual fantasies or sexual feelings that you want to explore and you feel a bit nervous about doing that, writing them down in that form of a fantasy can sometimes open up conversations mm. around this sort of stuff, which leads you to then discussing whether or not it might be something that you might want to do together. And you might mm. choose not to, you might, or you might decide that you're going to role play that within your relationship. But I think it also can serve as a kind of gateway towards um, a more expansive way of considering your sex life, especially if you've been a bit stuck. You know. I totally agree. And also another option if writing is not your thing is to listen to erotica. There's mm. erotic audiobooks. There's a lot of apps now. There's a lot of places that you can listen. And I think both listening and reading versus watching porn, which I'm not saying one is better than the other. I think they offer a different experience. But listening and watching, you can conjure an image in your own mind. And if you're watching or I mean, if you're listening or reading with a partner, you know, I think there's kind of multiple things happening because you, there's a joint act of let's say listening listening mm -hmm. but then you're each picturing maybe something slightly different in your minds and mm -hmm. then you can discuss that and and I think if it is about something if you're listening to erotica about something that you might want to try it's a it's an easy way to bring it up and then it might be easier than saying hey I have this fantasy about bondage let's do it now you know and that <laughs> might the person might feel pressure or even if you said let's do it next week like what if they're not sure what they think about it and erotica can give you yeah. one, not just one scenario but multiple scenarios of ways that characters might try it and then you can think about whether you might want to try it or not yeah mm. completely and i also think that one of the things that you mentioned is that it's because it's not all tied into the physical act you can think about all the other things that you can do to create that that um, erotic lifestyle, if you want, so that you are able to see things in a more erotic way. And I know that's something that we've discussed about, you know, anything can become erotic, right? You, yeah. can, you can peel an orange and make it erotic. You can lick the juice out of a piece of fruit and make it erotic. You can do all sorts of things that are super sexy that have nothing to do with geni genitals or anything. Mm -hmm. And mm. it's a about cultivating that sensuality, that appreciation for all different sorts of things. And I think that's one of the things for me that erotica has done and can do is it just makes you look at things 
slightly differently. And you think, oh, that could be kind of sexy. One of the very first dates that Peter and I went on is we share a mutual love of oysters. So, <laughs> which obviously are yeah. sexy yeah. to some people, but I ordered a box of oysters and we just stood there in the kitchen, just shucking oysters, squeezing <laughs> lemons did, on yeah. them, slurping them down. Oh my God, we had 18 oysters. Honestly, <laughs> it was, we were both sitting there and we were just going, is this better oh. than sex? Is this as good as sex? And I think we might have, did we get a bottle of champagne as well? I can't yeah, remember. We I think we went, well, we went yeah. the full hog, the full yeah, whole did. hog on the whole thing. But it literally was, I was just like, oh, God, these are so good. I think yeah. that's such a great point that there's so many things that can feel erotic. And and some of that might just be watching someone or showing off for someone. And what you were saying reminded me of a story I wrote once called I'll Have What She's Having, an homage to When Harry Met Sally. And it's about a man who runs a restaurant and he hires this woman to sit in the window and eat food in a sexy way to try to get people to come into the restaurant. And then other things That's happen. Great, but yeah. I love this premise of it's in public and she's yeah. not doing something obscene. It's not like she's smearing it on her body, but she's doing it in a way that is intriguing enough that to that she'll get customers to come in to try to, you know, experience that thing for themselves. And so there's there's an infinite number of things you can write erotica about. It doesn't have to be things you've done. It doesn't have to be things you want to do. It doesn't have to be people in a bed naked it could be people anywhere you know i've read erotica set on an airplane or set in a spaceship or set you know in a car it could could be on you know at their job you know and you would if you were talking about someone at their job you would have to grapple with okay like are they is everyone watching them like what what you want to think it a little bit realistic like is it taboo are they having phone sex uh, or are they doing something under their desk or you know you would want to reference the fact that it's an office or if it's a Mm. another kind of workplace but you can do that and I always tell people you can also have fun with it and take real life experiences that were not great like maybe you're stuck in traffic and you you know you miss a flight but maybe in the erotica version of that you're stuck in traffic and you're flirting with someone who's also stuck in traffic and you guys are you know stand still so you can't move and you're sexting or something yeah yeah, yeah 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 or as this used to happen and i don't know if it still happens actually i do know it still happens it's like if you turn on airplane um air uh, airdrop or whatever it's called on your phone and you oh, turn yeah. it on public then all of a sudden you get people like oh so and so wants to send you a message <laughs> and you're like who who is that that wants to send i've me a never message? done that but maybe no, i could try it yeah, that's a tip. Well, I hadn't well it known, used to be blue, it, it used to be Bluetooth back in yeah. the day. It used to be I'd be on the tube and I'd have Bluetooth on public, and sometimes people would look would send naked, you know, stuff. So anyone or, could see them. Anyone who had Bluetooth yeah, would so, see them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. So back and you can still do that now with AirDrop. Like if you turn, if I yeah. turn on AirDrop in public and just let anybody drop into my phone, if somebody also turn theirs on they could literally drop whatever they wanted into my phone and then just wow. like walk down the street right? be like <laughs> like oh, online that's a perfect erotica fodder and i think like in real life i mean i know personally i would not want to see that like i i feel like i like kind of have went in public i'm very much like don't talk to me but in an erotica story 
I think that is great fodder for something to happen between them. And maybe like that person seeks out the person who sends it or yeah, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Or maybe they, or maybe they're on their way to a date and this happens and they're like, Oh, you know, to their date, like, look what someone sent me. And they're, you know, maybe that sets the two of them off. Yeah. Well, I must say that it's um, made me think about switching on an airdrop. I, I hadn't thought of that before. <laughs> no, one of the prompts in my book, How to Write Erotica, is about using technology. And yeah. sometimes I give that assignment in classes and people are like, well, I'm not a tech person. I don't know how to write about technology. And I'm like, it's not, it doesn't have to be that you're creating you know, a new a robot app. or you don't have yeah. to write about, you know, you don't have to write the sexy Elon Musk. You can write about <laughs> someone losing their phone and someone finds your phone and brings it to you or, or something like this or whatever. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's so many possibilities. And I think as technology evolves and there's different apps and things, there's many more possibilities of meeting strangers mm. and connecting them that way. Yeah, for sure. And as we know, online dating amongst older people is on the rise, but it's still shit. So maybe, <laughs> maybe we need an airdrop for oldies. Is mm. what we need. Oh, well, that's we our next website. <laughs> airdrop for oldies. <laughs> where people just—we're the only people that can airdrop each other, just wrinklies, and uh, we just uh, send each other uh, our pictures. Yeah. I think you've just um, invented something great. <laughs> So, so, so going back to your new book about writing erotica, obviously some of this stuff around giving people prompts, unexpected prompts, prompts that just kind of stimulate their imagination in ways that are not necessarily directly sexual, but can lead to some mm -hmm. sort of sexy scenario. What are some of your other tips? I think um, really just keeping an open mind. The more you write erotica, the more you will see these opportunities for erotic stories in everyday life you know it could be I mean I don't I don't know where this would go but like you're you're at work and there's a fire drill and everyone has to go outside uh I once wrote a story and I, I actually I think I never finished this but I wrote half a story about it was for a book about firemen and how you know they're so sexy that's a huge fetish but I don't mm. have that fetish and I was like I don't really get it so I had to think about okay how am I going to do this and I saw some online like advice asking and this guy said Oh, my wife keeps setting fires in the house so that sexy firemen could come over. <laughs> and so I just borrowed that. But then I had to think about, okay, I want her to set fires, but I don't want the whole house to be in flames. So I think I had her doing something, something in the microwave, uh, her cigarette going out, but, you know, sort of containing it, but then still having the sexy firemen come over. So really any household thing. I mean, maybe you like to cook and your partner doesn't like to cook. And maybe there's something there where the person who doesn't like to cook tries to cook for the other person. Or, oh, I mean, um, I think food get, is such a rich topic. Just put yeah. your cat up a tree and get it stuck. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe, maybe that. I don't know. I mean, I think anything, you don't have to be out there going to sex parties if you are great. But, like, you you can take your daily life, even if you think it's, quote, yeah, yeah. boring, and still find things to write about because – what you were saying, Suzanne, about it being about the emotion and the mm -hmm. the the t tension, and you know, you can find eroticism in everyday life. We don't only have sex and only have desire when our lives are going amazingly and everything's perfect. People want to have sex, you know, at during times of you know, you lose a job, you go through a breakup, you're, yeah. you know, whatever other, there's plenty of opportunities to write about the emotional side, and also, you know, maybe your characters 
maybe your characters are in a monogamous relationship, but then they meet someone at running an errand and are flirting with them and they take that flirting energy home with them. That can be the basis of an erotic story. Mm, mm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's plenty of material there. I mean, (laughs) every every time we go out, really, I mean, if we just go out for a meal, there's always an erotic undertone to it, I think. Um, I've written several restaurant stories. I find them very fascinating places because there's a lot of people around, there's food, there's, you know, there's a server and you're eating and you're (laughs) collecting the food. And I think the act of eating can be central, watching people eat, you can feed your partner from your plate, also just what people find sexy. Like some people do find oysters or champagne or strawberries or whipped cream sexy, but someone else might find Brussels sprouts sexy or <laughs> whatever. I don't, any, any food really. Oh, and uh, but right. But if you did, or if you could make us believe that someone did, yeah. I think people would remember that story. Just right? like Christmas, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Christmas stories. Yeah. Three naked ghosts come Yeah, but I think thinking <laughs> about it from a little bit of an outside, what, what could be unusual? For instance, I edited this book called Come Again, Sex Toy Erotica. So a lot of people write about vibrators, butt plugs, you know, dildos, like typical sex toys. Yeah. But then someone was writing about people who were in the process of getting married. They were doing their certifications to get married. And one of them wore nipple clamps to a meeting with, I think, the marriage counselor. So that was kind of one of those where they knew and they were trying to not make them make noise. And so there was this tension there of like, okay, I'm doing something sexual, but that person doesn't know, but I know, and my partner knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. So um, the... You said you mentioned at the beginning that you are editing a book of flash fiction. Yeah. So uh, we should promote that because we have lots of listeners yeah. and they might want to submit something. Please Peter's do. already submitted yes, something. He, he got do. so excited and I tried to write something and then I got about 300 words in and I was like, oh, this is shit. Well, you have so plenty I, of time. You <laughs> have until May 1st to submit to it. Uh, I'm looking for unpublished stories, 1,000 to 1,200 words. And really beyond that, I don't, there's no theme, there's no topic, just uh, erotic flash fiction. I, I will say sometimes people in the past when I've done flash fiction, they just send a sex scene and then that's it. And mm-hmm. it needs to still be a story with a beginning, middle and end. It doesn't have to go in chronological order, sure. but it's, it's not just a sex scene. You're creating that whole mood. And yes, that's a short time frame. You know, that's a short word count. So some people, they can barely get started in a thousand words. I understand that. But I think it's a good challenge. Yeah. And yeah. I've edited exercise. a couple other books, the big book of orgasms. There's volume one and volume two. You can check those out. And people do write full stories in that short word count. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people like to read them because it only takes like five minutes to read them. You can read a few before bed or before, at foreplay or whenever you have time. You don't have to commit an hour or two to reading a whole longer story. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think have fun with it. And, you know, if you wind up writing 5,000 or 10,000 words, you know, you can use that for something else. That's not wasted. Like, don't feel like, oh, I have to cut my 10,000 words to 1,000 for me. You know, maybe that is another story waiting in the wings. Also, it doesn't, it, 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 it takes different people different amounts of time to write erotica. But in general, your 1,000 to 1,200 word story shouldn't take you as long as writing a, no. you know, longer story. No. No, absolutely. And, oh, you can find the guidelines on my website, rachelkramerbustle.com. Go to the call for submissions section. And I'm open to authors from around the world, any gender, 
you know, you don't have to have any writing experience, just write me an interesting story that stands out from the other ones. And I need 69 stories. So I actually need a lot of stories. <laughs> yes, 69. Well, I might try again. I might try, try again. again. Yeah, I, I I might try again. You've just inspired. Because, yeah, just because the first time didn't didn't work. Now I want I kind of want to read you writing about food because the way you were talking about the peeling and orange, like that was sexy. Yeah, right about the oysters. It was. Or, no, or the oysters. Or the oysters, or, or the oysters are too predictable. The oysters yeah, are too predictable. Yeah. But the the orange, the peeling the orange, because I'm in Spain at the moment and the oranges here are literally so juicy that when you bite into them, they're just like, they just fill your mouth with juice and they're delicious. And- okay, yeah, right about that. I would love that. <laughs> I mean, I can't guarantee I'll publish it, but like, yeah, I think like there's so many, maybe someone is at the market and winds up eating it in the street because they're like, oh, I can't wait to get home. And then someone sees them eating it. I don't know. And then they follow them and then they, yeah. yeah. And they eat and oranges then- together together yes. but oranges are not the only fruits of course no of well, course well, not. Played. No. well played <laughs> thank you thank you thank you rachel it's been yeah. such a delight to great. to do this thank and, you and please um, your listeners please do submit your stories if you yeah. are so inclined you have till may 1st so you have time will do brilliant yeah thank, thank you. you bye thank you